Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 129th program in this series. In the previous message, I was in John chapter 21. The disciples were sitting around, not knowing what to do with themselves. It appears that they were waiting for Jesus to show himself to them again. And it appears that they eventually got tired of just sitting around, doing nothing. And Peter was the first one to say something about this. Of all the guys who were gathered together, he was the first one to speak up and say, You know what? I'm going to go fishing. That's what I'm going to go do. And so they immediately, immediately, they all leaped to the opportunity and they went fishing with Peter. Now, another way to look at this is from the perspective of Jesus. What was Jesus seeing in these disciples when he saw them, if he saw them, sitting around waiting for him to come back? If Jesus saw these guys just waiting and waiting, maybe going around from one place to the other, but they were still just waiting for him to show up and do what? Conquer the land and set up the kingdom of God? That was the predominant view, and they may very well have been waiting for Jesus to come back and do that. But they were just sitting around, and I can just imagine Jesus looking at them thinking, you know, that's really boring. I'm not going to go over there and hang out with you guys. You're just sitting around. I can just imagine that this is something that he could have been thinking, especially after he found them hiding out in that room previously. They were there just hiding out, and he already went to them under those conditions. In that kind of a circumstance, why would he want to do that again? So he waited until... They did something. And what did they do? They went fishing. That's what they did. And when they went fishing, in his own way, he went fishing with them. I believe that he intervened in a divine way and kept those fish from getting close to their nets. It's my opinion. I believe that that's what was happening. That Jesus was participating in their lives by keeping the fish away from them. Until morning, and then he brought those fish to the right side of their boat, and they caught a lot of fish. So, in a sense, Jesus waited until they went out and did something with their lives. And then he went out with them and participated with them, going fishing, you know, just let's go and get some fish. And then in the morning, Jesus had a campfire going, and he made some bread, and chances are it was not gluten-free. And he had some fish on the fire cooking, so that he was participating in the preparation of breakfast. 
and he asked them to bring some of the fish that they had caught, finally, and bring that over and cook some of that fish, too, and so that they could participate together. Nobody's going to ask who's paying for breakfast. They're all going to be a part of breakfast. They're going to be a part of each other's lives, and they're going to contribute to each other's lives. And so there they were. They were having breakfast with Jesus around the campfire, eating bread and fish and talking and enjoying one another's lives. So this is something that's very important to see. At the end of Jesus' ministry, he wanted his disciples to continue to live their lives. But of course, they are going to live their lives being made spiritually alive, and they're going to live in the new covenant, not the old. There are going to be some changes. And there will be opportunities for them to participate in the work that he is doing. And there will be times when they might as well just go fishing. And maybe he'll go with them, just to play with the fish a little bit, perhaps. But after breakfast, Jesus had a conversation with Peter in verse 15. This is John chapter 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Well, Peter did not really respond to the idea of, Do you love me more than any of these other guys? He didn't respond to that, and that that was a good thing. He should not have gotten into that kind of a discussion. But he did say, You know, Lord, I do love you. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs. Now, this is kind of an open-ended statement. What does that really mean? He doesn't give Peter a lot to go on with regards to what that means. Peter could be thinking, well, we've got a lot of fish, and I suppose the lambs refer to these other guys, or maybe some other believers who believe in you, and I suppose, since we got a lot of extra fish, today I could probably go out and find some people who believe in you, and I can give them some fish. That could have been what he thought of initially. But we don't really know for sure what Jesus was really intending to say quite yet, because we don't have that much to go on. Continuing into verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. All right, this time in what we have here in this description, Jesus does not ask him, Peter, do you love me more than any of these other guys? He doesn't ask him that question. He just asks him the general question, Well, do you love me at all? Do Do you love me, Simon, son of Jonah? And Peter said, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, to ask this question a second time, especially in a way of saying, don't bother answering the question of whether you love me more than these other guys do, this could become a little offensive. It could be. It could be insulting to Peter. And yet, if it was, if this is how Peter would have received that, he handled it well. Continuing on into verse 17, he said to him the third time, Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved 
because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? Now he's grieved in the sense that, yes, in a way, he has been insulted. He has been offended. And he's going to feel a sense of pain and frustration over being asked three times. You know, twice is one thing. But to be asked a third time, it's a way of saying, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. You are being asked again to give you an opportunity to fix your story, you know, to, to make some changes and and to give you an opportunity to be a little bit more honest with me. That is why he could easily feel grieved over being asked this kind of a question. Again, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Now, this is a defensive kind of a posture. This is a way of saying, what do you think you're doing? Why are you being mean to me? Why are you being abusive to me? You already know. You know, and yet you're asking me this question three times. You're asking me this question. Who do you think you are? I feel like I'm being abused. I feel like I'm being violated and insulted. I'm grieving over the pain that is being caused because you already know the answer to this question and you're asking me this question anyway. A third time. What is this about? Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, I would venture to say that he's not talking about taking some of these fish and pass these fish around. It's my opinion that what he's talking about is he is saying, go out and tell those who believe in me about me. Talk about me. Tell the truth. Show them more about who I am in the way that you know me, in the way that you understand me, and give them more than what they have with regards to their knowledge and understanding of their God. That's what I believe it means to feed his sheep. It doesn't mean rule over the sheep. It doesn't mean go and shear the sheep on occasion. It means, you know, just take care of them. Take care of people. Be in the lives of other people who believe in your God and find ways that you can contribute to their lives when they feel a sense of lack, when they feel a sense of emptiness, then be in their lives. If anything, just have breakfast with them like he is having breakfast with them. He's feeding his sheep. This is what he's doing. And so be a part of the work that God is doing. Be a part of the life that he is living. What was Peter doing before He went fishing. He was doing nothing. He was sitting around waiting for Jesus to do something. When Peter went out and did something, Jesus went out there with him. Now, of course, he kept Peter from catching fish, and I think there's some humor in that. But, you know, the next morning they did some things together, and Peter did get some fish, and he dragged it to the shore. So there is some participation that is happening here. But Jesus speaks with Peter after breakfast, and he says, listen, I want you to be a part of what I am doing. You can feed others just as I have fed you, just as I am feeding others. And no, it does not have to be just about bread and fish. It can be about, and it should be mainly about, the truth and the revelation of who our God is as a person. So Jesus goes on and he tells 
Peter about his future. He asks Peter to be a part of the work that he is doing in the present. But he also adds to that and he says, listen, this is going to be what happens to you in your future later on. And so between now and then, be a part of feeding my sheep. But in verse 18, he speaks about the then, the later. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. He was speaking about his crucifixion. Peter was eventually crucified. But he says to Peter, follow me. With all these other guys around, he just says, follow me. And it appears that perhaps Jesus left the campfire and started walking. We're not sure exactly what was going on in that sense. But what we do know is that in verse 20, then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? So because of the posturing and the positioning, it does suggest that Jesus got up and started walking, and he asked Peter to follow him. Peter was following him, but then realized that he was following Jesus alone. He was by himself. Just him and Jesus. What about these other guys? What about them? What are they going to do? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Now, this is a very powerful statement. This is very important because it demonstrates, it shows that our God wants us to have an individual relationship with him. Now, this does not mean that he does not enjoy the collective relationship of the church with him. I'm not saying that that is not real. I'm saying that as a priority of that which is of greater importance to him, it is the individual relationship between us and our God. He wants you to follow him. He wants me to follow him. And for each one of us to have our own unique lives with our God. Peter was just asked to follow Jesus away from the campfire, apparently. And John was not asked to follow Jesus away from the campfire, apparently. Instead, John just decided, well, hey, you know, Jesus got up. I'm going to I'm going to go for a walk with him. I'm going to go. I know he just told Peter to follow him, but but I'm going to follow him anyway. That's what John apparently decided to do on his own initiative. And Jesus did not tell him to go away. But in saying what he did say about, you know, if this guy is going to remain until I come back, then what is that to you? That is a way of saying, look, I'm not going to deal with John right now. We're not going to talk about John. I'm not going to ask John to follow me right now. I'm asking you to follow me right now. 
And this is important. This is exciting because we know that there are times when he will ask one person to do something with him, and yet he doesn't ask somebody else to go and do something with him. Look, we see it right here. Here's a perfect example of that kind of living relational experience. Jesus asked Peter to follow him. He didn't ask anybody else. Everybody else can go do what? They can go fishing. They can hang out there at the campfire. They can do whatever they want. They can live their lives. They can be a part of whatever. He hasn't asked them to be a part of anything in his life quite yet. He hasn't done that. Maybe he never will. And that's okay, too, if he doesn't. But what he says here to Peter is, what is that to you? Who do you think you are to even question, what am I doing with my other children? As if I have to explain this to you. As if I need your approval. As if I need you to evaluate and decide if what I do with them or what I do not do with them is acceptable or not. That is not our place. Jesus was effectively telling Peter, that is not your place. That's none of your business. This is not about them. This is about you. I want you to follow me. You follow me and you do it now. And you have no concern for what's happening with everybody else. Don't worry about what's happening with everybody else. If your God calls upon you to follow him in some regard, you do it. And don't worry about what other people may think or what they may do or what they may not do or if they're going to participate or not participate. That means nothing. You do what your God has given you to do and do not evaluate the outcomes and say whether or not it was worth it. That is not what our life in Christ is to be about. Our life in Christ is to be about living our lives, enjoying what he has given to us. We are to learn how to make use of what we have in Christ Jesus. We are to live our lives and enjoy those times when he reveals himself to us in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our circumstances, that we may grow to know him more and more and in general a little bit at a time. And if there is ever an occasion when he calls upon you in order to follow him or he sends you to do something on his behalf, to be his representative, to be a participant in any way whatsoever with what he is doing, then you do it without any concern for the outcome. Why do we do it? Because we love our God. That's why we do it. We don't do it because we're expecting compensation or because we expect to be blessed by God in some way. We do those kinds of things when we know him as a person, when we have grown to love him with the love that he has shared with us, that he has given to us, And when he gives us an opportunity to share that love with others that he has given to us, we will, of course, we will do that. We will pursue that because that is who we become as children of God. That is who he makes us into, who he creates us to be. And yet I understand that especially when people are relatively young in the faith, And this, of course, does not mean that they are mature in the faith because 
They have been believers for most of their lives. They could very well have been believers for most of their lives and yet have not grown in the faith. But for those who have not yet grown in the faith, it's reasonable for people to be looking around wondering, well, what are other people doing? What are other believers doing? What about them? You know, where are they going to church? Where's the assembly? Where's this? Where's the activity? Where are the service projects? Where are the potluck lunches? You know, where are these things happening? What about them? What about them? What about what they are doing? Are they going on missions? Are they, are they, are they? And yet our God only wants us really to be thinking about ourselves and him. What about our individual relationship with him? As for everybody else, you know, whatever happens with them, and I believe that Jesus speaks of this in an exaggerated way in verse 22, when Jesus said to him, If I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And what did the people do with this? Of course, they took what he said and they made up something that he probably did not intend at all which is not an unusual problem. Sure enough, in verse 23, then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? It was not what he intended to say, but that's what people will tend to do. They will tend to take the words that Jesus has said And they will try to say that he is saying something that he never intended because they just want there to be something special, something unique about what he had to say. And there are times when, of course, that's the case, but not this time. This is very simple. It's his way of telling Peter, just stay focused on the individual relationship between you and I. Verse 24 This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. Amen. Thank you for listening. This is the last program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. I do want to thank the people who donated to Living God Ministries, especially during this time. Without your donations, I would not have been able to take the time to do the work that was necessary in order to do these recordings, to teach through the Gospel of John, and to make it available in the radio archive for free. And without your donations, these programs could not have been broadcasted on the stations that we have broadcasted these programs on. Having said that, I would like to sincerely ask each and every one of you who are listening to this program to donate to Living God Ministries so that I can continue to do the work that I have already done. We have a very well-documented history of contributing to the lives of a lot of people. You can find testimonies through the website. We have a recent testimonial page, and you can read through those, and you can see how lives have been changed. You also know what I'm talking about. You have quite likely experienced profound changes in your life and in your relationship with God because of the things that you have learned through these radio programs. There is a lot more teaching that I can do, but I can only do this if I have the donations that I can use in order to do the work that is necessary 
in order to do more teaching through the scriptures, verse by verse, and make them available to the world for free, as we have already done. And so do become a regular donor to the work of Living God Ministries, so we together can continue to reach out to people. In addition, I would like to encourage you to sign up for our free email list. You'll find that at the newsletter link on our website, or you can just send an email to staff and ask to be added to the email list. We don't send an email out very often. In general, it's once a month. Sometimes it's every other month. It really just depends on what's going on. But these emails are sent in order to notify people when we are able to release something new, when we are able to release new radio programs to the radio archive, and we do release radio programs to the radio archive before they are broadcasted on the air. There are many programs that have never been broadcasted on the air. And so do take the time to sign up for our periodic monthly or bi-monthly or so email that we do send out. We do, of course, keep your email private. We don't share any of your contact information with anybody, but this allows us to be able to connect with you and communicate with you at least in some way so that you will be among the first informed when we are able to release something. This is also the way that I let people know when there are other things available, such as books or papers, things that I write. You won't likely know about these things unless you sign up for our periodic email, because that is how I let people know when things like this are available. So it is important for you to let me know who you are. Let me know that you are listening so that I can let you know when there are things that are available that are in addition to what you will hear on the air when you are listening to the radio programs through this station. In addition to that, if you personally have experienced some profound change in your life because you have been listening to these programs, will you take the time to let me know? Just send me a letter or send me an email either way and let me know that these programs have contributed to your faith, that you have grown in your understanding of the new covenant, that some barriers have been taken away perhaps from you resting in the love of God. Take the time to let me know about these things because they are very encouraging, especially in the midst of all the opposition that we do experience while we are doing this work. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,